Oh, we're counting it down. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast, a proud production of the Pacific Century Syndicate. Am I being too loud right now? You got to be yourself, baby. You got to be yourself 110%. If you're going to make it in this podcasting game, that's right. I'm Jeff Winger. I'm here on like day 1 million of COVID-19. I'm joined as is my great delight by my aide de camp, Brian Grimm. Hello, Brian. Good morning, Jeff. It is great to be here with you. And I just went and checked that it's not actually day one million. It's like day nine, I think. <laughs> I was told there would be no math. Managing yeah. expectations is the podcast for people who say, you know what? It's good enough. It's good enough. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Yeah, it's good enough. And uh, we're here to talk about uh, the passing scene, such as it is. Also, interesting people and the things that make them interesting. Books, movies, art, music, all of that enhances our life immeasurably uh whereas uh knucklehead assignments when i'm busier under quarantine than i ever was before can i go back to being a lazy bum please what the what <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a good thing that uh we're all under quarantine because I'm getting a lot of stuff done here that I've been putting off for a long time, and my phone has not stopped ringing. It's unbelievable. Every single day. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. It yep. is. Yeah. All right. So the first order of business. So my wife came in, and I think she thought that this would make me happy, but also I think she was contributing to the podcast because um, uh, she wanted to talk about things that were hip and happening and relevant. Okay. Can you hear mm -hmm. me? Okay. Yep. Okay. Loud and clear. Okay, because I can talk. I can speak up if you need me to. <laughs> no, I've got a good level right now. <laughs> so last night at midnight, somewhere, it's, it's midnight somewhere, Bob Dylan releases a song called Murder Most Foul. And it's like a 17-minute <clears throat> ballad about the death of JFK. Wow. It's ostensibly. Yeah. Okay. But you, you okay. I, apparently I'm making it sound good. And, it, but it's not. And it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Okay. And I, I, I look, I, I, I really like Bob Dylan. I do. And I, I respect. So, like in Springsteen's biography, Born to Run, uh, his memoir, uh, he said that uh, Dylan charted the geography of his life. Or, or, or something like that, uh, the, the geography of his time. I mean, and he, Dylan said a lot of things that other people were, were thinking but just couldn't begin to articulate. And, and after Dylan, um, you, you, you see like a flourishing of uh, dynamic artists and, and so forth, uh, people putting mm -hmm. things. I mean, so, you know, so, and look, and, and some of it's great. And it's the the soundtrack of our life or whatever. And other things are just uh, self-indulgent claptrap. And um, I would 
I was afraid it, it what would be. What, what category does this one fall into? Well, I am not prepared to put Bob Dylan, who, by the way, as, as influential as Bob Dylan was, he could not escape the scourge of the 80s, which was the synthesizer beep, beep, beep. His album, Imperial... No, Imperial Bedroom was Elvis Costello. Empire Burlesque. Bob Dylan's album, Empire Burlesque, uh, actually has a couple of great songs on it, though they're greater when released on his um, uh, bootleg album. There's one called When the Night Comes Falling from the Sky that on his... Uh, when, when he r released for the first time, like, like uh, tracks that didn't make the actual cover. L Little Steven Van Zant, who's been mentioned on this podcast previously, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, E Street Band piano player Roy Bitten. Uh, <laughs> Brian, what do you call a piano player? A piano player. That's exactly what you call a piano player. Um, and. Uh, uh, it's like this great rocker, but if you hear it on the Empire Burlesque album, it's it's horrible. It's like got this flock of seagulls synthesizer in it, and you just think, what the what? Okay, so 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 Dylan is not above criticism. Okay, I mean he's he's kept it hot. He's you know in the last several years he's become this like you know modest you know traveling blues man. You know, he's outlived many of his contemporaries, um, you know, and, and uh, he's just doing like his own thing. But this murder most foul is essentially this. I would and, and, and I, it's exactly what I thought it was. It was like it's like this opus to baby boomer touchstones. It's like a slow. It's like a 17 minute version of we didn't start the fire. Did you see it coming? Was just, Did you see it coming? I saw it coming. <laughs> I mean, and there's no excuse for that. None. I'm sorry. And I don't want to start the day mad at Bob Dylan, for heaven's sake, you know, who's arguably his contribution to the culture is greater than my own. Um, I say with due modesty. So uh, Hurricane is greater than Murder Most Foul? Yeah, Hurricane's a great song. By okay. the way, it's interesting to hear that on playlists in places like, you know, whatever, uh, Trader Joe's, because... Or, Star or Starbucks. Starbucks, because it uses I... a word that is very unpopular with contemporaries, uh, you know, as it should be. But, I mean, you know, I mean, see, there was a... Re Dylan had an artistic reason for use it. I mean, it, right. yeah. Two, a couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, a coffee shop and uh, and the hurricane comes on, and I'm like, hmm, I might just hang out for another six minutes and just see <laughs> what which version they're playing. And and uh, it it was uh, it was the album version. Yeah, not not the not the radio edit. Also, um, Ricky Ricky Jones, Ricky Jones is like who you get when you can't get Joni Mitchell. Um, some people will argue with me about that uh, but but she had a huge hit Chucky's in love no mm -hmm. so Ricky Lee Jones Tommy Lee Jones 
So somewhere between Tommy, Tommy Lee Tommy Lee Jones also had a few hits. He did. Uh, somewhere between Tommy Lee Jones and Ricky Lake, there was this chick singer who's who you get when you can't get Tommy uh, when you can't get Joni Mitchell, and she had a huge song. You could be googling, by the way, Chucky's in Love, if you wanted to be. You know, you know what, Jared would, but Jared's got stuff to do with his wife. Bunch of nonsense. That, that um, yes, Ricky Lee Jones. Way and, to represent uh, Brian. Okay, so anyway, Ricky Lee Jones. Uh, that song had, was released in 1979. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was huge. But it was, yeah. And uh, she uses a word artistically in that song that Bob Dylan also uses in Hurricane. Uh, and they don't they don't bleep it or silence it when playing it in, for example, a coffee shop or, or whatever. Right. And I just think it's because people don't know. Because, I mean, I guarantee you that if they had any idea that the content was was there they would be they would be freaking out yep and and those songs would be canceled forever yeah i don't know i mean it, hurricane shouldn't be but i don't know how many times do you need to play i don't know it's it's funny that you know you'd play like a 9 minute ballad i don't know see i i i, I love that period of dylan the the rolling thunder review yeah though man i started watching that uh netflix I, I was really excited about the netflix um documentary on dylan's rolling thunder uh review period i think scorsese even did it and scorsese's mm -hmm. uh no direction home was exquisite in fact maybe i could maybe i could get mrs winger to sit through that i don't know it's kind of long uh if it takes two nights, but uh, well, yeah. Scorsese, Scorsese movies aren't typically very long. I mean, he, <laughs> he keeps them. They're usually a tight ninety, aren't they? It was on PBS, man. <laughs> it was probably during, uh, uh, you know, begging week. Um, Anyway, uh, that Rolling Thunder, it was really self in, it was really self-indulgent nonsense. Um, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't abide, but the music's great because at that point he'd gotten electric and was, I don't know, I think he started telling other people's songs, I think, he, or other people's stories. It wasn't all about, you know, being a folk singer in Greenwich Village. Um, I don't think it was all about Vietnam and, and, um, you know, I think even even important matters like civil rights um, with Hurricane, he put in a much more compelling way. I mean, whether or not, by the way, whether or not Reuben Hurricane Carter was innocent. Um, and I, 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 you know, I know I, I know that the movie had a particular point of view, but I, I don't know that we know. Um so whether or not he was innocent, I mean, it certainly captured the zeitgeist in telling the story. It, it captured the, you know, the the attitude of racist cops and and right. people in the black community and so forth. And so, which by the way is is the 
is the context in which I think the context in which the N-word is used in Hurricane. Um, mm -hmm. Some people thinking that Carter got got too big for his plays. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, you, you better go for a minute. I got to catch my breath. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, I got um, it. I got it. I got it. He, by telling other people's stories, I think he did it in a, in a way that, that was less whiny. I, I liked Pete Seeger... Um, uh, went crazy, and that was awesome too. Uh, when when Dylan goes electric and Pete Seeger like goes crazy and tries to get an axe and like cut the power cord, I mean that that's that's awesome. I mean you know uh, and, and you know Springsteen has a lot of respect for Pete Seeger, who I think just finally died at the age of one hundred and forty eight. Um, but you know Springsteen's uh uh. Uh, album, the Seeger Sessions. I think Springsteen at some point in the live show says, uh, "These are you know Pete Seeger's like your grandpa. If your grandpa could still kick your ass at eighty six, something like that." So, um, uh, I, I think I think Dylan found a side of himself in the seventies that uh, were probably indulgent in that era of blow and excess, but um, was still very profound and relevant and um i'm breathing now you go okay um switching things up a little bit uh a, a couple of weeks ago <clears throat> you probably saw this that robert conrad died i did and uh and i had kind of you know i mean i always knew who he was but when i when i had heard that news it, it took me back to uh being a kid and watching wild wild west ah. on channel on channel two when I was sick at home or, or got a day off from school. And I loved, and I mean loved Wild Wild West. I loved it Wild was, Wild it West was, too. It was it was so great. And you know, it, it that it always had the same format every single time and there was always a little twist at the end. And uh but it was so good. And then the uh the, the cartoon that you know that was kind of like the bump in between right. uh the live action was was just great. It was fantastic. And it, it was such a great show, and um, and so I started reading about that, and uh, you know, it talked about how many times he would tear <laughs> through those skin tight blue <laughs> pants that he wore because <laughs> because he was required to do so many stunts to jump around. But he 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 would you know his uh you know he he'd tear them all the time. He'd have a blowout, and so he started wearing like blue underwear so that way they didn't have to stop the scene. Uh, it's just just great, just so great. Yeah, yeah, no, that was I. You know, I, I remember being a little kid. So, let the record show that while I'm older than you, I am too young to have seen um, uh, the Wild Wild West when it was on prime time. I saw it as you did, and in, in like after school reruns or something, right? Rather than like mm -hmm. being outside and running and playing, <laughs> right. <laughs> And um, uh, I remember wearing my mom out asking for an Eisenhower jacket because that's what that like short jacket right. that Robert Conrad wore was. And uh, oh, man, who knew who knew the sartorial influence that Ike would have? Not only did that guy conquer Europe, <laughs> he 
he he also put that awesome jacket on Robert Conrad and made me want one though I gotta tell you um, if I think about it if you just add dingle balls you pretty much have a flamenco dancer jacket it's a fine fine line <laughs> I'm not sure that a heavyweight like me could pull off an Eisenhower jacket at this point it would just look like a comic book guy <laughs> Just try it. I mean, just, just, just try it one time and see, because I don't think you'll ever really know uh. unless you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so um, yeah, I uh, I love you so much. You know, I was afraid you were going to go with Baba Black Sheep, which you probably no. could almost remember from the 80s never saw it never watched it my my uncle um loved black black sheep squadron and baba black sheep and um when we go visit it was on all the time but uh nah wild did, wild west did he have bootleg copies or something i mean or just he uh, would only visit during the he, robert so conrad was, hour so he was an AV tech guy before there were AV tech guys. So he he spent an, an incredible amount of money on the first VCR machine and a Betamax machine and had, um, I, I mean, I think that those things were like 800 bucks. Oh, sure. In the 80s when they first came out. And he bought one of each and then bought, bought a ton of, of VCR tapes. And he had all, he had all this stuff. Do you remember when um, they were like twenty dollars, and before that they were like a hundred dollars? I remember seeing a New Hope at the video store um, that you could buy. For do you mean Star Wars? I'm sorry. Do you mean Star Wars? Uh, I I call it by its proper name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I saw it there for eighty nine dollars, and I thought that is so cool. And uh, my uncle then buys a copy, burns, well, doesn't burn, he records it because he's got the two players and uh, he gave us a copy that we wore out from the age 6 to 12. Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Episode, episode 4. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? <laughs> because I can see you and I can see you react. <laughs> you know... Let's just why don't, don't we just wanna... let George Lucas rewrite all the history books? <laughs> I don't want to make this a Star Wars discussion. I, I, I was really I, enjoying I, thinking about Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was it was super cool, and you were right about the, you know, the 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 animation and the hands and you know I you know I always thought I didn't really care for Artemis Gordon. I thought he was. I just I don't remember a single episode where I thought, oh wow, he really, he was really the thing. It was all about Jim West being yeah. too cool for school, and I never saw the remake. Uh, that is the t uh, the the movie in the nineties, but it looked like it uh, was at least as good as uh, say Lost in Space, the nineties movie remake. <clears throat> You're giving it too much credit. Lost in Space was a horrible piece of crap. Absolutely, but there was no, there was no, <coughs> there was no steampunk in it. Oh, oh, really? Oh, wow, that that does elevate it to, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a minute to give some love to uh, our friend Ray, uh, a small business owner in this difficult time. Um, uh, all in a dream, comics and books. Uh, Ray is sitting on top of an unbelievable collection of Silver Age and Golden Age comics. Uh, and also, the best collection of uh, graphic novels you find anywhere. Uh, so give Ray a call at uh, All in the Dream Comics and Books in uh, the great town of Denver, Colorado. He can be reached at 303-333-8616. All in a Dream Comics and Books. The loading has begun. I talked to Ray. He was actually kind of pleased with uh, with uh, that. He and, uh, he and he thought and he thought he, yeah and he thought that the 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 other stuff was funny. He he took it in the spirit in which it was intended. Uh, so I'm I'm very happy about that. I'm I'm glad and uh, looking forward to uh, you know other other advertisers stepping up. You know because this is no time to lay low. This is when you get you get your message out to the people listening to the things the the information the interesting things and the people the th the interesting people and the things that make them interesting i'm sorry did, <laughs> like I, fall, that, did, did I fall asleep for a minute there did that interesting like that interesting text message you just received and then dismissed <laughs> so quickly get out of my face with that <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I think, uh, yeah, you know, people don't see that, Brian, if you don't tell them. Okay, got it. Yeah. I mean, if we, you know, we could, I mean, I guess, I guess one of us could investigate uh, a YouTube channel, but I don't know that, you know, I, I've got, I've got a face made for radio, for podcasting. Yeah, we'll just stick to this for now. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> We'll see There's, how that goes. There are snakes that only eat once a year. And what, what was the thing that uh, John Draper said to uh, Conrad Hilton? It, it's really the python and the pig. That after a python eats a pig, uh, it's so slow it can't move and it's very vulnerable to its its enemies. And... Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, we just we just don't want to bite off. It's it's you know what that was just the longest possible way to say, Brian, we don't want to take off. We don't want to bite off more than we can chew. I yeah, I think that that's uh, that's a yeah. good way to say that. You should write that down. <laughs> it's a good principle. Um, what? Uh, do, yeah. So listen, some technological aspects of the show. It turns out that I was able to record. Okay, so there were some guests that I, I failed to, that it seemed like I wasn't able to get, but I did get them. I just, it's just when I emailed them, they didn't come through. So this is going to be like our sixth episode in a can. And what you and I have to figure out is how you can upload them because we've got to get people going to where they can hear managing expectations. 
the people want it, Brian. They're hungry for it. This is the information that they need. It's it's uh, it's a wholesome diversion, uh, a diversion. Diver- right. In these un- <laughs> divergent. Now that's a good movie. <laughs> you like that, Kate Winslet? Does she show her bum in that one? I don't know. I actually haven't seen Divergent. The Virgin? Divergent. Oh, sorry. She just said wholesome a few minutes ago. <laughs> let's try to keep it on that plane. Yeah, let's take it easy. Let's take it easy. Um, I don't think I've ever seen any of the Divergent series. No. Why would you? Well, you've got a teenage yeah. daughter. Wasn't she interested? She, uh, she read the books. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hunger Games? Oh, yeah. Big time. But you guys watched the Hunger Games movies. Mm-hmm. So did I. So what? why Why did we watch... Okay, so you've got kids to make happy. I do not. Uh, why do we watch the Hunger Games movies but not the Divergent movies? Except, uh, I mean, is it just a J-Law thing? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that... Uh, uh, Ella, Ella watched them first, and um, she said, "Yeah, they're just not very, the movies just aren't very good." Uh, while she did enjoy reading the books, she just didn't think that the Divergent series was was very good on film. So, okay. So the rest of us didn't dive in. Okay. So you watch you let your little girl set the tone for she, the movie. Yeah. She yeah she pre screens stuff for us and let us know lets us know if it's acceptable for the rest of the family. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. It's a pretty good arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) What'd she pick out for you tonight, Gladiator? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think she got about 45 minutes into that one and decided it was too violent for us. (laughs) So. I'm afraid it's Full Metal Jacket again. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay, so um, um, last night I started reading Andrew Roberts' short history of the book uh, Waterloo about um, uh, Napoleon's defeat. Uh, a- Andrew Roberts has gotten a lot of really great press lately about his um, Churchill biography. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think if you're, you know, so I, I don't know, I'd like to know more about Napoleon and Waterloo. So apparently, you know, uh, Napoleon was kind of, emp- uh, emperor of Europe for a while and he was not great, but better than some of the guys that would become rulers of Europe in the next hundred years or two. So, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, and then like Lord Wellington, I mean, apparently this was like a real, a real showdown, although it, it all seems to have been set up by the destruction of the French fleet at Trafalgar. So if it wasn't for Nelson defeating the, the French, um, then it never would have come to Waterloo, but Waterloo is just so it's such a significant uh, 
it's just a significant moment and you know uh you know it's the it's the fodder of everything from abba songs to i don't know other stuff bill and ted's bill and ted's water park did is that a thing from bill and ted's excellent adventure yeah they that's where napoleon ended up at waterloo uh water park that's funny and and just had the best day of his life <laughs> at at the water park not at not at the yeah that's really funny show. okay yeah. i watched i so i um i must have we went to watch that movie on vhs in like 91 i think i watched it there were some guys down from new york when my wife's brother was getting married and um uh, we watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and we thought it was hilarious. But honestly, uh, so at, at almost 30 years ago, all I can remember – actually, it, to be honest, it's 30 years has got nothing to do with it. It's pretty much the day after. All I could remember was Sigmund Freud running around with a corn dog. I thought, I thought Sigmund Freud just like – I don't know. I don't remember if he was like, oh, is eating a corn dog or trying to get other people to eat corn dogs, but it was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I showed it to the kids a few months back, and um, it's it's pretty funny. It holds it's, up. Yeah, it does. It's it's not it's not it's not great, but um, for for what it is, it's it's a pretty good movie. So so I'm not. I'm not so familiar with all of the Keanu Reeves uh, oeuvre. <laughs> I think I just said the word egg in French. I was about to, I was about to say, is, does he have uh, organic egg, a line of organic eggs? Pro- probably. You think he doesn't? Yeah. Um, but when he makes fun of himself, like his deal in uh, Always Be My Maybe, did you see that? Yeah, it's hilarious. It was hilarious, right? Yeah. Uh, man, when, um, what's his name, uh, says, uh, I like the simplicity of a onesie. That was so funny. And um, <laughs> when his father says, how much do you make? And she kind of laughs it off. And then he says, yeah, he's not joking. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the Keanu Reeves stuff is hilarious. It is hilarious when he makes fun of himself. And uh, he did it a little bit in that movie with uh, Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Uh, what was that? Something's Gotta Give? No. Maybe. It's, um, you know, it's like an old white people movie with, like, they, you know, when, it, when it's got a house in the Hamptons, um, it's going to be, it's going to skew older and super white. Right. Uh, he, I think he, that's it. He plays a sensitive doctor who falls yeah. for Diane Keaton because she's, you know, in spite of the age difference, she's just such a fascinating and together woman. I get it. But that's it. Yeah. Something's got to give. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I remember in that that she she's like, Jack Nicholson's like, why do you wear a turtleneck like all the time? She's like, I'm just a turtleneck kind of gal. Um, but she was, it's because she didn't like her neck, right? Or they didn't explore it. I don't think that they really talked about it much, but I think that that. 
Because Nora Ephron, who wrote, who was married to Carl Bernstein, Carl Bernstein of Woodward and Bernstein of Watergate mm -hmm. fame, Keep Up People, uh, Nora Ephron wrote the book in the movie Heartburn, which starred Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. And it was it was very much a Romana Clef. Is that French again? <laughs> um, probably, but it could be Italian. I don't know. Uh, if one of us was fast with the Google, they could tr they could try Romana Clef, but it means. Hold on, uh, I'm watching the Something's Got to Give trailer right now. Give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that scene where Jack Nicholson shows his bum! How hilarious! So. Um, uh, Romana Clef is French for novel with a key. There you go. Oh, but it's a really novel, mm -hmm. a novel about real life overlaid with the facade of fiction. I'm looking at you, Ernest Hemingway. Uh, Animal Farm. Is that an example they give? This is what this is. Uh, this is what they give. Yep, Animal Farm. See, but that's so allegorical. Uh, with the pigs, the talking pigs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. You know what we should consider is cough buttons and mute buttons because I've coughed and you just gave it a big sniff. And I want to remind everyone that it is allergy season in the American West. And uh, other than that, I've, I'm just healthy as a horse. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Brian, when does the nurse come in to change your IV drip? Um, yeah, I've got about six minutes left for the podcast, and then I'm going to have to Man, hop I, off. I've been hitting my painkiller button. I, I hate that they, they max that thing out. They put a ceiling on it. Yeah. Uh, so, so Nora Ephron wrote a book called something like I Don't Like My Neck or I'm Unhappy With My Neck or something. It's It's something that some ladies get because... As I've said, oh, you know, look, I'm not a, I'm not an old lady, but if I, um, I mean, at this stage in my life, I either have the choice between a double chin, or losing weight and having um, a, a turkey neck, yeah, you know, and I'm afraid it would be like a Bill Bradley um, turkey neck, a uh, uh, a man who played for the New York Knickerbockers before he became a member of the Senate. Mm -hmm. A giant of the Senate, if you will. <laughs> Is he still alive? Did, or did Bill Bradley die a couple of years ago? Do you remember? Um, I think he's still alive. Okay. Uh, yeah. Good for him. 76 years, 76 years old. Not as old six, as... Six what? foot five. Not that tall for today's NBA. No, he's that's your that's your starting point guard at six foot five. What did he play? Was he a forward? I would think he was a small forward. Uh, let's see here. Not, not that it matters, but yeah, he had. Uh, 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 what was I? There was a there was a basketball thing that I was thinking of. I don't know. Um, shooting guard, small forward. There you okay, go. so uh, two or a three. 
as yep. they as they say in the game. Uh, a, pl- a plus two, uh, minus three. Uh, and it's if he was truly if he's truly six five, and I don't know that they lied about it back then, but I don't know that they didn't. But if he was really six five, um, that makes him an inch taller than Charles Barkley, who was always listed at six six, but was actually only six four. Really? Yeah, Barkley was not that tall for, and which is and and considering that he was like perennially the second best rebounder after Rodman, who's like this weird, freaky, all elbows kind of guy. Uh, I mean, you know, Barkley was just throwing mass at at the problem. Physics does tend to win, but, you know, it's like Rodman had this, like, weird mathematical ability to, like, anticipate the trajectory while also being able to, like, Worm, his name was Worm, Mm -hmm. his nickname was Mm -hmm. Worm. Uh, his way into position, um, but I would not like to have dinner with uh, uh, Char- uh, uh, Dennis Rodman. I would love to have dinner with Charles Barkley, though I don't know. I, how, I, I, I don't know how I, I would get loved. out of gambling with him, <laughs> <laughs> or or have a plate for yourself. Did you ever see that sketch on Saturday Night Live where Kenan Thompson was Charles Barkley and Kristen Wiig was Bjork? Yeah. Oh, that was so funny, man. I, I loved Charles Barkley's game when uh, when he was playing, you know, in the 80s and 90s. I did too. He was, he was, he was so fun to watch because um, he just seemed stronger than everybody else. And just to watch him back a guy down and the guy just had no hope. Of being able to really defend him, yeah, yeah, he was a lot. He was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. I like him now. I mean, I, yeah. I, I like, you know, I, you know, I, I like what he has to. Uh, you know, I think he's, I think he's funny. I think he's insightful. I think he's kind of, you know, I, it's um, because because I am not politically active, and because I don't tend to view things as having political solutions i you know i'm i'm actually kind of glad that barkley doesn't waste his time getting involved in political things though i think that if he wanted to be he could probably be like a senator from he's from alabama right he went to i think that he had didn't he talk about it at one time I, like I, after he retired for a short while that he was going to potentially run for senate of alabama I think he'd crush Roy Moore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not saying much. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just, um, there's a guy, there's a, there's, there's a guy who I, uh, you know, admire as far, as far as that goes. Um, uh, Jim Webb, uh, I've talked about maybe yep. before, uh, quoted me in his book, a time to fight. Um, when I review, he quoted my review of his book, um, Lost Soldiers, in his memoir, A Time to Fight. And it came rushing back. I didn't know that. You didn't? 
I didn't know that. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, it's really I'm re- I'm I'm really proud of that. So so I was at work. I was on my break. I went next door to a coffee shop. I'm reading Webb's new book, A Time to Fight, which was written when he was in the Senate um, during uh, the aughts in the in the Bush years. I think I think uh, he won in '06 and was in the Senate for uh, a single term before he moved on to other things. Um, maybe, but I don't know. Maybe it's two terms. I don't know. But but in his book, yeah, he. He quoted my review of his book *Lost Soldiers*, which was a novel uh, set in Vietnam, and and uh, in spite of being kind of an adventure, um, it was deeper than that because Webb's uh, uh, fondness and and knowledge of Vietnam uh, is very um, deep and and thorough. And, um, you know, there's, I mean, look, when, when the Americans left and when Americanization of, uh, uh, that is to say, American support of the South Vietnamese regime, South Vietnam regime withered after Watergate, Watergate. I mean, it was just, it didn't wither. It was just cut off. And, um, uh, there was... A Vietnam that America left behind and um, there are a lot of folks who would have uh, I mean there are a lot of guys who were you know fighting to have uh, an independent South Vietnam and they just got steamrolled and and I think that Webb's book Lost Soldiers really captures that um, in a way that that um, and, and, and I said so I said so in the in the review that I uh, wrote for it that was published in the Asian Reporter of uh, Portland, Oregon, and um, uh, anyway, Web Web quoted that, um, and That's I was cool. I, I was really psyched. Yeah, I go running back into work saying, um, I got quoted by the senator, which sounds an awful lot like a euphemism. Uh, if you want it, <laughs> I. Uh... I don't know if you know this, but I uh, installed a TV at Matt Holiday's house. I did know that. Didn't he die? Did he die? No. No, he's still alive. Are you sure? Yeah. I talk to him every week. Uh, is he back in Denver? <laughs> I don't know. I don't is he know. still I don't playing? Know where he is. I, is he still playing? No. He, uh, he played last year or two years ago. Uh, he came back for the Rockies for one season. And... Um, and then I think he's retired. I think he's coaching baseball, like youth baseball or college. He's coaching college baseball in Oklahoma. That's what he's doing. Okay. Um, it's the time in his. Sh- it's time to uh, take a quick break. Talk once again about uh, All in a Dream comics and books in uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, a uh, a staple of uh, uh, Denver cultural life. Uh, for well over 30 years and uh, you know you spend over 30 years on East Colfax and man you deserve you deserve combat pay and a shout out on this fine podcast that's right that's right it's uh, you know I I've done most of my uh, serving the public in the uh, in the suburbs where uh, 
in spite of who's it is it Karen that wants to talk to the district manager right <laughs> yeah um you know it's better than glue sniffers and and whatnot but anyway uh don't let that put you off I mean it's gentrifying like all giddy up um do you know anything about that area I mean is east east Capitol Hill is that is it still what uh, you, you kind of keep your finger on the pulse of the of the Denver market. Uh, I, I do, I do, and and Capitol Hill is um, is a widely eclectic area, and you'll have a two million dollar condo right next to something that is not a two million dollar condo. Okay. Um, and so as. Uh, <clears throat> You know, there, there are certainly hot neighborhoods within Denver. Capitol Hill has been kind of lagging behind some of the other ones, but um, but it still is up and coming for sure. So really interesting area. Um, what's it what's it like there around Central Park in Denver? I mean, similar sort of thing. C- C- Civic Center Park. Well, what's the one with like the Natural History Museum and okay. the uh, city, city, city Park? Is that what it's okay? I, I'm sorry, yeah. City Park. I called it Central Park, but it's the it's not Central. Yeah, yeah it's City Park. I think cent- Central Park is. I think it's on the East Coast. Maybe we can look into that. We'll Google it later. But what do you know okay. about the areas around yeah. City Park in Denver? <clears throat> um, hyper expensive. All of them. Most of them. Because like north of Colorado Boulevard's not that nice, is it? It's not that nice, but um, yet. You, you get down – not yet. Yeah, you get <clears throat> into some of those older homes, um, and they're on really – I mean, like quarter-acre lots, which is just very difficult to find in in any kind of urban area. So it's, uh, it's desirable and very expensive. Okay. Quarter-acre lots. I should check out and see – I should look and see how big my lot is. Um. I remember when I was a kid in Indiana, we had an acre lot in this. Uh, yeah, it seems amazing now. Um, uh, I used to mow it uh, with a push mower. Well, why is that so funny? I, well, and that's probably all that you did all summer long. Uh, I also read comic books. Speaking of which, we didn't really... Okay, so uh, we were talking about East Colfax and All in a Dream comics and books, which which have uh, been contributing to the cultural and interne- uh, intellectual rubric of uh, uh, the Mile High City for over 30 years. Uh, visit Ray at uh, Fillmore and Colfax, East Colfax. Um, you can reach him at 303 303- Three 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 eight six one six. All in the dream comics and books. The loading has begun. Uh, okay, so um, we got to figure out in, in in the week ahead. We got to figure out how we can get these to a broader audience. Brian, we're, we're, we're fooling around with this. This is number five in the can, and there's actually more than that because some of them are like episode two point one. You know, right? Uh, so. Um, we got to figure that out. We got to figure out how to get you copies with more than just me talking to my imaginary friend, because <laughs> I'm starting to feel like Jimmy Stewart and Harvey. <laughs> uh, 
uh, my, 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 my friend uh, Brian is a rabbit. He's right there. You see him, don't you? He's right there. Uh, go ahead. Very good. Um, I think we're uh, we're getting up against the clock here. Um, oh, you have something to do, do you? Because it's, it's the second time you've mentioned it. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It, the is first it? time was really subtle. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't mean it the first time. But now you do? Big time. Oh, what the what? No, Jared, you're bailing early. You know, I guess it's just time for me to suck it up and do some work here in COVID-19, day one million. Yeesh. Day nine. Um, hey, do you actually know this? Do you know that... Um, uh, so I have been quarantined as all giddy up. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's quarantine AG. Um, uh, for like all week. I haven't been, I've hardly been out of the house, though my wife has had people come in. But today I kind of have to go pick up a prescription, so I got to go to Sam's. Does that like reset the clock? Does that, re I mean, like, if as long as I stay six feet away from people... Yeah. And I'm out in uh -huh. public. As long as I'm six feet away, I'm okay. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I've had to venture out a couple of times. I keep, you know, for whatever it's worth, I keep a thing of bleach wipes in the car. And, you know, I wipe things down as I go in. I wipe down the door handles when I, on the car, when I, you know, get into the car and leave the car. And then, you know, try to keep my hands clean in between. So just be careful out there. Okay, whatever. All right. All right. So um, that's going to wrap up uh, this week's um, Brian Grimm edition of uh, Managing Expectations, the podcast brought to you by the Pacific Century Media Company. Um, we got to we, we got to get some work done on the on the website. We got lots of stuff to do, but um, we'll just have to work it in. Because, you know, you've got a thing. And um, uh, so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Managing Expectations. Brian, thank you. Let's have... Uh, hey, my pleasure. Good to be here. Oh, man. It's great to have you. Uh, uh, you want to... Okay. So uh, that's it for now. So long, everybody. Uh, in spite of uh, the quarantine and everything else, there is work to be done. So let's get to work.